All right, all right, Faith Promise. Who is fired up to be in the house of God this weekend? Come on. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You have picked an incredible weekend to come. You're going to hear some amazing things that God is doing. Welcome to all of our campuses. Man, Michelle and I love you guys so much. Whether you're in person or you're still online, man, we love you. And I know with the spike of COVID, some people will sort of move back online. And uh, man, we love you. I hope you guys who were with us last weekend enjoyed that Heart for the Harvest and Miracle Weekend. Was that not incredible? I've gotten so much good feedback. So it was awesome. Heart for the Harvest. By the way, we are <clears throat> very close to the $2 million. Very close. So... I'm glad you held that golf clap because what I'm about to tell you. So we are so close, but here's the deal. Some of you, I believe the Lord spoke to about giving and you haven't yet. Well, this is the Lord speaking to you one more time. And because uh, we really need to be over that too. There's a reason we need to be over the $2 million goal, some things that God wants us to do. So if you haven't, uh, you haven't given in that, I want to encourage you to go ahead and do that. Uh, we've got some business people that have been really thinking about leaning in heavy and so on and challenging, now is the time. Well, I guess you've noticed I'm not alone this morning. Uh, that's a little abnormal uh, for me to have someone with me, but I wanna introduce you to a good friend of mine, David Nelms, who is the founder of TTI, or the Timothy Initiative. Come on, can we walk, give him a faith promise welcome? <clears throat> TTI is one of our biggest missions partners. We invest significantly into TTI. As a matter of fact, you have planted with TTI, Faith Promise has, uh, 1,200 churches, most of those in places that have never had a church in the history of those places. So, way to go. Most of those churches will plant between one and four additional churches. So it's incredible what's happened. Uh, David is one of the people I pray for daily. He and his wife, Loretta, his son, Jared, who really runs TTI. And uh, so, David, we're thrilled you're with us. Now, David was a very successful pastor in South Florida. If you've never been to West Palm, it's an incredibly beautiful city, great place to go. Well, I love it down there, one of my my adopted dad is down there, Coach Tom Mullins at Christ Fellowship, but love it. And in the middle of a, a church running thousands, a great church, great life, God called him out of that and to go start something brand new to go where people have basically never been. So tell us, how'd that call work, David? Yeah, Chris, uh, first of all, I'm just so excited to be here. You guys are the greatest. I'm going to go home tonight and tell my wife, Pack your bags, darling. We got to move to Knoxville. Okay. Amen. And she's going to say, we got five grandkids here, David. You go. I'll see you. But uh, I, I want to begin by thanking you guys for your partnership, your prayers, your giving. Uh, God has used you so greatly. And Chris, to have you praying for us every day just means the world. I'm going to be out at your mission spot afterwards if any of you want to come. We got prayer team. Love to meet you. I've, I've fallen in love with your church family. You guys are just great. So thank you for letting me be here. Uh, yeah, I was pastoring, pastored forever. And one day I was in a country, Southeast Asia, and I was in this little village and I kept noticing little Hindu temples. They're not very big. They're half the size of this platform. 
and a couple of mosques. And I was just looking at the people and the young men were out in the rice paddy working, just laboring hard, trying to feed their family. And their wives had little babies and the old women were cooking over a fire, getting lunch ready for the men who were gonna come in from the fields. And the old men, my age, they were sitting under a tree arguing about something. The little children were running around like little children do, like I was watching some of yours out there a moment ago, and they were playing and laughing and they had sticks, their toys were sticks or maybe a empty water bottle. And I turned to my host, the guide, and I said, I saw the temples, I saw the mosques, where are the churches? And he said, they call me Dr. David there. He said, Dr. David, there, there is no church here. There's never been a church here. There may never be a church here, probably never be a church here. By the way, in that one country, there's estimated to be 300,000 villages that have never had a church of any kind. And that day, the realization of it just moved from my head to my heart. I already knew there were many places where there were no churches. Many, I'd been many places where there were no churches. But that day it hit me. I mean, it hit me hard. These people are not rejecting Jesus Christ. These people have no idea who he is because nobody has ever told them. Now listen to me. 2,000 years ago, the last words that came out of his mouth, Acts 1-8, the very last thing he had to say, his goodbye words were, the Spirit of God's going to come, you'll receive power, you will be my witnesses here, near, and far. It's the last thing he said. It's been 2,000 years. We still haven't finished the task. Those people were not rejecting Jesus. They had no idea who he was. And I went home back to West Palm and just everything changed for me. My heart was broken and I didn't know what to do, but I I told my wife, I said, darling, we got to do something. And that was how TTI got started. Incredible. I I want you to know that God uses ordinary people. Are y'all with me? And God wants to do something incredible with all of us. And part of the reasons why we don't, I think is insecurity that keeps us from stepping out in faith. There's, a, there's, a, there's just an epidemic in the church in America. It's ridiculous, but it is of insecurity. So, Dave, in the midst of that, why did you believe 13 years ago that you could change the world? Well, God uses foolish things of the world, and he uses weak things of the world, and I kind of qualify on both. So I figure if he could, I mean, you read the Bible. It's, uh, I've made it a habit since I was 18 years old. I read it all the way through twice a year. Let me tell you something. He used some really messed up people. <laughs> and Jacked so, up. yeah, so I figured I'm a great candidate for that. But in addition to that part, you know, in the first century, he left behind, when he went back to heaven, he left behind 12 apostles, really 11. And I'm not even sure if half those guys could read and write. They weren't, I mean, they. I probably would not have handpicked any of them, okay? And yet, he turned the world upside down with those guys, just regular, normal people. And by the way, they didn't have any of the infrastructure that we have. There was no Bible written yet, finished. There was no Bible publishing house. There was no denomination. There was no Bible college, no seminary. There was no denomination. They turned the world upside down. He did it before. 
I don't know, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? Amen? I don't know why he can't do it today. And so all my life I'd heard about these great movements of God and these great awakenings and these incredible revivals, and I always wanted to see it with my own eyes. That, that had been my prayer for decades. God, I want to see it with my own eyes. By the way, I want to see it again here in the States. Amen. Well, we're, you're seeing it with TTI. What is the, what's the vision of TTI? Yeah, we get our marching orders, Chris, from 2 Timothy 2.2. I think it's the greatest verse in the Bible dealing with disciple making because in that verse, there's, in, there's g- multiple generations. See, the goal is not to make a disciple. The goal is to make a disciple maker. The goal is not to plant a church. The goal is to plant churches that plant churches. And in that verse, if I can paraphrase it, Paul, disciple Timothy, who disciple faithful men, who discipled others also. The implication is it keeps going. And so the vision is basically by making disciple makers, let's plant healthy, reproducing, multiplying churches. Think rabbits, small but multiplying. Let's plant a bunch of rabbit churches among every people group, every place on the face of the earth. Think every trailer court, every high rise, every mountaintop village, every jungle enclave, every nursing home, every retirement village, every jail. Now, TTI can't do that by ourselves, but with our partners, you guys are a major one. With other ministry organizations, we can get a church within walking distance of everybody on the face of the earth. That's the vision. Amen. Come on. I think it's achieve a a church in every village everywhere. That's it. That's it. So, and by the way, in the next five years, the immediate vision is 200,000 churches, which will result in about four to five million new believers coming to the kingdom. And you guys are a major part of that. And that's, that's revival. So you and I know a lot of ministries. We, we, we've, we've been around <clears throat> long time in ministry. What, I believe TTI is the greatest international church planning organization. Why is TTI so successful? Chris, our first core value is it's all about the kingdom and therefore we don't care who gets the credit. We are real big on kingdom partnerships. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about that. The 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7 is kind of our formula. You've got, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered. By the way, that's a partnership there, okay? They were not competitors. They were collaborators. They worked together, okay? Paul, Apollos working together. God gave the increase. If the increase comes, God has to give it. And if you get the increase without God, I don't, I don't want it. Okay, so we're real big on forming partnerships, not only here in the States with people like you guys, but overseas. Real big on partnerships, working together. It's all about the kingdom. And then we look to God to multiply it. Well, how does, how does that happen? You have to follow the scriptures. You, we, and we're not good at that. I've never been good at that. It doesn't come naturally for me. But we, we, for example, the book of Acts is our church planting book. We teach our guys we, we teach them, let's study it verse by verse and then do exactly what it says. Don't tweak it. Don't try to improve it. Don't make excuses because of culture. Just do exactly what the Bible... And we have found the Bible works everywhere. It's the only cross-cultural... It works in Saudi Arabia. It works 
everywhere, okay? Well, if you look at the book of Acts, multiplication is built into their, their, their disciple-making systems. The goal is not, again, 2 Timothy 2.2. It's not Paul saying, I'm going to disciple Timothy. It's Paul saying, Timothy, I'm going to disciple you so you will now disciple faithful people and they will in turn. The, the intentional expectation is multiplication. And so we call that obedience-based discipleship. The, the idea is we're going to disciple you, send you out, you come back, we'll hold you accountable to do what you, were, what you just read in the Bible you're supposed to do. So you put all of that together, even in hard places. We work among, we're in your Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, animist world, but even in those very difficult places, it just works. The Bible, the Bible works in Knoxville, Tennessee. It works everywhere. That's right, that's right. So TTS, 13 years old now, uh, how many people ha, uh, ha, has TTI reached and how many churches have we planted? Yeah, there's a new church being planted every 40 minutes. So during the service, there'll be a church started. While we all go eat lunch, there'll be a church started. And right now we passed the 84,000 mark of new churches a couple of months ago. And that comes out to about 1.6, 1.7 new believers. And that... Uh, and you guys have been a, a large part of that, Chris. Yeah. Large Amen. part. Come on. Wow. 1.6, 1.7 million new believers. And I've walked it. I mean, I have been, uh, I don't know how many hundreds, if not a thousand miles across India in dozens and dozens. Now, these churches are mostly places where it's illegal, so they are house churches. And it is, it's, it's just the Bible being lived over again. When we decided we were going to have David and Kyle and I were talking, and, and I said, I want to interview him. The, really, the first question I knew that I want to ask is this. And uh, so I want you to lean in and understand what, what, we're, what David's about to unpack for you. So there's two groups that TTI goes after, UPGs, unreached people groups, and UUPGs unreached, unengaged people groups. Those are folks that have never heard the name Jesus. How does reaching these unreached people groups usher in Jesus coming to get us? I don't know about y'all, but today would be a good day. I bet, come on, come, Lord Jesus. Anybody all in for that? So how, how does that usher in the second coming? Yeah, I get real excited on this one. Peter said that we can hasten or speed up the day of the Lord's return. He didn't tell us how. He just said we can do it. So how do you do that? How do you speed? And, and by the way, nobody knows the day or the hour. I'm not projecting any dates, okay? But Peter did say you can speed up that day. How do you speed up the day? Well, in Matthew 24, 14, Jesus made this statement. These are red letters. If you have a red letter Bible, it's red letter Jesus said, when this gospel of the kingdom has been proclaimed, to every nation, then the end will come. That's what Jesus said, all right? When the gospel has been preached to every nation. The word nation there, though, he was not referring to a geopolitical nation like the United States, Canada, USA, Mexico, Argentina. He was referring, he used a word that we get our English word ethnicity from or people groups. The world has about two to 300 nations but it's made up, those nations are made up of 12,000 people groups or ethnicities. All right, now watch. 
if you were to take 12,000 sticky notes and put them on this wall here and write on each of those sticky notes the name of one ethnicity, one people group, that would make up the entire human race. If you go back about 10 years ago, there were still about 1,500 or so sticky notes on the wall. In other words, 1,500 ethnicities. Let's let this section over here be an entire people group and ethnicity. There were 1,500 ethnicities that no one had ever engaged with the gospel. They're born, they live, they die, they go into eternity without having any idea who Jesus is. And it's been that way since that ethnicity started. Well, there were 1,500 of those that no one had ever engaged. There were no churches, no known Christians, nothing, and nobody had even tried to give them the gospel. That was 10 years ago. As of this past December, there were zero sticky notes left on the wall. They've all been taken off the wall. And, and, listen, a church a couple of months ago asked if we, because we've engaged a lot of you, you, a lot of unengaged, unreached people groups, so they all have churches now. It's been the high point of my life. A church recently said, we want to fund taking the gospel to a UUPG, and I had to say, there are none. All the sticky notes are off the wall. There's none left. Of those 12,000 sticky notes, 165 of them have been taken off the wall. They've not yet been engaged. They're in the process of being engaged. But at the rate we're going within the next two years, I think three at the most, I mean, that's a long shot. Not only will all the sticky notes be off the wall, that's already happened, but they will all have been engaged. There will be believers from every single people group on the face of the earth. And Jesus said, when that day comes, then the end will come. Mm, come on, come Lord Jesus, man. I was, I was able to go right before the Bible Museum opened and a special opening for, I was up with John Maxwell for that. And, and I understand that within the next five years, there will be a portion of scripture and you're well more versed in the, in the messianic world than I am, uh, uh, that every people group will have at least a portion of scripture. Is that correct? Yeah, Chris. Uh, the American Bible Society is a major partner. It's a great, again, partnerships. It's all about partnerships. And I can tell you that, that, that what I'm being told is that within the next five years, everyone on the face of the earth will have at least a portion of the scripture in a language they can understand the everyone on the face of the earth that's going to happen in the next five years so again we're getting close which says to me we there needs to be an urgency about what we're going to do I mean right now the, the the time to give the time to pray the time to make disciples is not it's not wait wait don't wait till you retire do it now so we, 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 I believe, I'm with you, I think every promiser could change their world, whether it's their neighborhood, their team, their class, where they live, work, study, shop, and play. So what, how, how can promisers speak into us changing our world? Yeah, you, you, you brighten the corner where you are, you start where you are. Before Jesus said, make disciples ends of the earth, he said, you start in Jerusalem. Where you start is right here. Everyone in this room, it's not that you 
that you just can be a disciple maker, it's that you're supposed to be one. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. The only question is, what kind of witness are we? But you are a witness for Jesus Christ. And every one of you, to, to, to you and me and Krista, each of us has been given the unspeakable privilege to tell others about him, to represent him, and to disciple people. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18, Paul says to the church at Corinth, he says, to us, us, you guys, he said, not me, not the pastors, but regular normal people. Everybody knows pastors are not normal, okay? <laughs> regular normal people like you guys. He said, to us has been, giving, has been given the message of reconciliation, that is, to go out and tell the world, world, you can be brought back into a relationship with God. And then he said, he said, we are his ambassadors. Now, please hear this next statement. However you feel about yourself, however, however, whatever you see when you look in the mirror, when God looks at you, he sees an ambassador. He sees someone that he has called and saved and placed on this earth to be his representative, to represent the king of all kings on this earth, that high privilege has been given to you. Every one of you can do it right here where you live, work, study, shop, and play. Point people to Jesus. So you, you think every promiser can be a disciple maker? Yeah. Again, I think we're supposed to be. Again, uh, you know people that are never going to come to faith promise, but you can, take, you can take the message you hear every week, you can take it to them. Again, where you live, work, study, shop, and play. And again, I don't think, that, I don't think it's just a matter that we can. See, I, don't, I used to look at it, Chris, you know my background. I used to look at it as kind of a duty or a command or an obligation. I don't look at it that way anymore. I look at it as an incredible privilege because in that verse I just shared with you, Paul, Paul said God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. It's, 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 it's a trust. It's like, it's like God is saying, uh, may I just be real blunt? God is saying to you, sir, I'm trusting you with that which is the most precious to me, the message of how my son died on a cross, rose again for the sins of the world. The world doesn't know that. My plan is for you to tell them. And he's not saying, I command it. He's saying, I'm trusting you. When I got a hold of that verse, or when that verse got a hold of me, rather, <laughs> oh, my God, the command went out the window. It's like God. See, I always understood me trusting God. That was a no-brainer to me. But suddenly it dawned on me, in some way, God was trusting me to get his gospel to people. That changed everything for me. By the way, he is trusting you. You say, I don't want God. Well, I'm sorry, but he's trusting you to get the message out. So it's not that you just can be, you get to be. You get to be a disciple maker. Amen? Come on, is that incredible? That is what's the call. So important. So important. Now, we're, we're all called to be disciples and make disciples. That's the Great Commission. Go, therefore, make disciples. And 
win them, baptize them, and teach them, observe what I've commanded you, which was to make disciples. So we, we're all called to do that, but I believe, David, that there are some people at Faith Promise that God is calling specific, specifically for missions outside of America, sort of like the call that God put on you. How would people know that maybe God is calling them? Well, I think Acts 13, the very first missionary team that went out was Barnabas and Paul, Paul and Barnabas. And you find that God called them as they were in a state of prayer with the other elders in the church, praying and ministering to the Holy Spirit. And I, I believe it has to start there. One of our core values is first we pray, then we plan, then we plant. I always did it the exact opposite. So I learned the hard way. But it, it begins with prayer and I think fasting. Obviously, I think it was the, the elders in the church there, they understood God had called those guys. It was, uh, it was obvious to everybody. And when God's call is on your life, I think it becomes obvious to people. And, but but I, always tell, I always tell prospective missionaries this, you don't become a missionary by flying to Africa. You don't, you don't that's not the way it works. It's not like some magic occurs halfway across the Atlantic. You, you, you do it here. You start here. You are a missionary. See, I believe everyone in this room is a missionary. Amen. I just think some of us are called to go over there, but all of us are called to be missionaries. And so you begin right here. I don't know all that much about Knoxville, but I've been around it enough to know, man, we could take a thousand missionaries in this city. We could do it. All right. Just in Knox County, there are 357,000 people that don't know Jesus. There you go. Have no relationship with anything spiritual. Yeah. And they're, we, we're, we're not... We're, we're, we're faith promises called, but we think we're called to the church. We're called to the community. We're called, to, you are a missionary, you're called to where you live, work, study, shop, and play. You're called to win people and disciple them, help them to win people. Let me put a parenthesis right here because some of you are wondering, hey, pastor, we got all these needs and everything going on in Knoxville, and why would we, why would we give all this money to TTI when we have needs here? And, and it's a great question, and I, I want to make sure you understand why we give and how we give, because we do take care of the people. As a matter of fact, uh, Kyle sent me just this week 111 families at Faith Promise during COVID got to keep their houses, got to keep the heat in the air on, got to eat food, got to get their bills paid. They were laid off jobs, but because of your generosity, there were no needs in this family that were not met. Are you with me? Because our, our theme verse is they were wholly devoted to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. And because they were devoted, all these things in the next six verses happened. And part of that was that there were no needs. And, and so that's going on. See, we want to help people around the corner and around the world. And when you give, it does feed the poor. It does close the naked, it does, it does visit, it does make sure that we do the prison work, but it also makes sure that people that have never heard the name of Jesus get an, op get an opportunity. Are y'all with me? Well, make sure that we get that, because we got you know, always new people coming. Now, if you feel called to, to global missions, uh, you can go to the FP Missions page and get information about coming trips, what's going on, we are soon gonna start groups called Live Sent Mission Groups. Pastor Kyle's gonna be starting uh, and you can jump in there to find out maybe I'm called, what do I need to do? 
in your seat, the missions uh, ministry of Faith Promise giving you a gift. These bandanas remind you to pray, and uh, maybe you want to go. You want to see some incredible stuff? You can go with TTI. You can go with us and see what God is doing around the world, and we want to be a part of that. But before, we, there are two things that, that you skip, David, that I want to go back. And uh, that clock, it says, it says zero, but it's a lie from the pit of hell. It doesn't. Uh, yeah, hey, y'all want to hear about that? Y'all want to hear about the witch? Tell us about the witch, then we're coming to the 12, okay. to the 12 generations. Yeah. You know how in the Bible, Jesus is always dealing with demonized people. And by the way, you don't have to be afraid of demons. Demons are terrified of Jesus, okay? And you've got Jesus inside of you. I mean, they're terrified. Well, I was in this, in Sri Lanka, there was this witch. And if you don't believe in witches, take one of those trips he was talking about. We'll convince you, Okay. And so she was evil, just demonized to the core, just to the core, and mean as she could be, and her whole family was terrified of her. Everybody was terrified of her. One of the Timothys, disciple makers, reached out to her, and God just got a hold of her and saved her. And you know how when God gets a hold of her, he changes you. The lady was changed from night to day. I mean, sweet, precious, she wouldn't hurt a, a soul. And within the next just few weeks, maybe a month or two, she led over 20 of her family members to Jesus Christ. Not just strangers, but family members. And she was well off because she was pretty good at what she did. She, people would pay her to put curses on people. And, and she was pretty good at it. And so she had a nice house. She, she didn't say, you can use my house to start a church. She gave her house to the church to be used as a church. And now she lives in this little rented room over here on the side. I mean, who does that? Who gives their house away? And yet, that, that's, uh, so she went from being a witch to, to being an incredible uh, disciple maker. That's one story. There are thousands of them. They come in every day. Uh, the other incident Pastor Chris is referring to is I was in a Southeast Asian country last December, pre-COVID, and we were doing some training and we had a little room there. The room is probably about maybe the size of this platform, maybe half the size of it. And all of a sudden they lined up 12 people, 12 people stood up across the front of the platform. And I thought, okay, what's going on here? And they began to explain the guy on the far left led the next guy to the Lord and discipled that person who led the next one to the Lord and discipled that person, who led the next one all the way down. And I'm sitting there, Chris, I was with some pastors, a couple of megachurch pastors, and I looked at one of them, he was crying. And I knew why he was crying, because same reason I was crying. Uh, that's what I signed up for. That was what I signed up for. And I'd seen three, we see three, four generations of new believers everywhere we, we start churches, but I'd never seen 12. And there was actually a 13th. He had just got baptized outside. He was still dripping wet. He hadn't got inside yet. And this was like in less than two years. So you, you do the math. That's like you lead a guy to the Lord within a couple of months. He leads another guy to the Lord and disciples him to where he leads a gal to the Lord and disciples her and she leads another gal to the Lord. And that went on 13 generations in less than two years. And I'm like, that's what Jesus had in mind when he gave the Great Commission. That's how you do it. 
And when the service was over, we got together with these people through translators and that wasn't even the most amazing part, the, the, the 13 generations. It was hearing what they came from, the, the life transformation. There were in that group a couple of thieves. There was in that group a couple of former prostitutes. There was in that group a couple of alcoholics, two or three drug addicts. That part of the world is a major opium-growing region. So, I mean, just, just, just drugged out just as bad as you can be. There was in that group uh, several demonized people. There were in that group a, an arms dealer, a terrorist. There was in that group a homeless widow with three children. She's not homeless anymore because each of these churches that you guys have started, they also take care of orphans and widows. And so now the church is taking care of that, orf, that, that widow and her kids. There, in that group was a Buddhist missionary monk. I mean, he was a, mission, a Buddhist he was a monk, the bald-headed guy with the robe, and, and, but a missionary. His job is to convert people to Buddhism. He is now a, a if I can put it this way, a flesh-eating, blood-drinking follower of Jesus Christ, okay? And in that group was a, was a hermit who had been living in isolation in a cave. It was either 26 years or 36 years. God not only saved them, but, I mean, he, he radically changed their lives. And only Jesus Christ can do that. And Well, isn't that awesome? Wow. Wow. Folks, let, I want to be a part of something like that, don't y'all? Let's write the 29th chapter of the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts are the acts of the Holy Spirit. And he's still working. He's still saving and healing and transforming and calling. And he's calling you to be a disciple maker, a maker of disciples that makes disciples.